also the difficult thing here is to have this be unrehearsed. Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. I am your host, Iwakima Axelon. The difficult thing is that while I was hanging these paintings, I had to like not plan out what I was going to say. Because whenever I did the podcast and I planned out what I was going to say, I always just cut that part out because it's like, that ain't it. That's not what this is about. Look at me. I got a hobby. I built a podcast studio in the attic. (sighs) If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, then I want you to know that there's a YouTube channel now. Um, Let me just check in with myself. Yeah. It's clear to me why I have to do this. It's because I feel self-conscious and I have to face that. Because, you know, oh God. You know, there's like this Carl Jung, the like psychologist writer, he had this idea that like a big milestone in the development of a human being is when we realize that we are a viewable object, that people can see you. And you realize that there's a gaze looking at you judging you but then the thing i think people don't talk about is how there's this next milestone when you realize that no one cares like like people can see you but they're not looking at you and that's what this is about i think i have to make myself a viewable object on youtube to realize that there is no judgment no one is watching and that's inner freedom Oh, I feel bad about this episode so far, but that's what this is about. No one is here to judge me. I don't know. Does that make sense? Anyway, um, I think I just have to do this because it's nice. Because it's nice to have a ritual where you like sit down once a week and like talk through some stuff, like talk through your mental health stuff and your issues or whatever. And this is just like my little ritual, my little space where I'm going to do that. And that's what this is. And it's because I never found a therapist that helped me. I had a bunch of therapists and I would sit down and we would say hello and then we would sit down and then they wouldn't even, therapists never even asked like, so how are you doing? Like, they never even ask that first initial open question that they do on TV. Any therapist I had would just sit there quietly. Like, yeah. And then I would break first and and structure the whole thing myself and be like, well, what's going on lately? It's like this. And I've been thinking about this. And then they never break into a response. That's my experience in therapy. And I'm so jealous of people who would describe how they had therapists and the therapist would like rant at them about what their issue is. Like, I wanted that so bad. Like, I would just get a little crumb. I don't know. Anyway, so um, this is like that, but I replaced the therapist who didn't say anything anyway with three cans of sparkling water. So this time we're doing orange And we're going to start really simple, really unpretentious, just LaCroix. LaCroix Orange, season two, episode 51. I have this, 
I'm realizing I had this habit in season one where I would like close my eyes and record like 25 minutes of the podcast with my eyes closed. And maybe that's weird when there's, maybe that's weird when there's video. All right. Orange. Smells good. Smells good. Uh, LaCroix, the, the citrus uh, wing of the LaCroix library is the best part. Um, tangerine is like my favy fave. Grapefruit is, you know, a crowd pleaser. Orange. Smells real. Balance between like peel and juice and all the different parts of an orange. Smells real good. Oh, that is so refreshing. Because I'm in the attic, it's a little bit hot. It's 100 degrees outside. Oh, Jesus. Okay. I got this new shock mount, so... <sighs> Gotta not do that again. Yeah, that's good. That is good. That is like... 8.5 out of 10. I, um, my roommate just had COVID, this guy I'm living with, and he's an absolute angel, and he stayed in his bedroom. And I've been so, yeah, it's a long story, but like, I've been out of the house a lot, and I just didn't want to stay somewhere else. So I stayed here. And a, like a week into it, I had this it finally dawned on me that like, wait, if I get COVID, the problem is not that my lungs are going to give up, you know, organ failure. The problem is, I mean, I don't think the probability of that, of that is very high, but what if I lose my sense of taste and smell? The whole podcast is about me tasting and smelling sparkling water. The whole thing would fall apart. Oh, that is some good sparkling water. Um, what else is going on? Now it's like, now I'm really wrestling with not talking about something that I've recently just talked about. You know? Honestly, this is a test. Like, I don't even know if the technology's working. I don't know if the camera's recording. I don't know if the mic is working. I don't know if the two will be if I will be able to put the two together, I don't know. I'm going to try to make this like not a super long episode. Yeah. I, I found someone to play chess with. That is something that happened to me recently. And it is a, yeah, it's a journey. I, um, chess is a thing that I'm addicted to, excuse me, and it's like one of these benign addictions. Ooh, I'm going to turn this hourglass over just to have a little bit of sense of time. 20 minute hourglass. So I realized that I, <clears throat> I was born with this like very anxious brain with a propensity, a, a tendency to just get a little bit depressed and, and I, have a tendency to try to run away from emotions and not feel them and I'll do whatever not to feel them and and addiction things kick in and and I 
I can feel my mullet swinging around and it's making me self-conscious about like, are the people judging my mullet right now? But, you know, my weak chin and my face and everything that everyone's judging, the mullet is a little bit different because the mullet is like, the mullet is like an eating disorder because like the way I have been made to believe that eating disorder eating disorders work is like, you have a 14-year-old girl and she's not in power of her own life in any way. So she takes control of, like, none of the main things in her life can be controlled by her. So she reaches out and just grabs, like, an arbitrary thing off to the side, which is, like, her diet and her weight. And she just, like, exercises control over this one thing. Because that feeling of powerlessness is so difficult for humans. And that's what the mullet is. It's like, I can't control how I have a very weak chin. So I grow this mullet and the mullet doesn't look good. And it's like, what? <laughs> it's like, what? It's my, it's like, it's my choice. I know this, I know this haircut looks like shit. And it's like this incredible feeling of power and control, which then leads to this incredible inner peace where you realize that it's okay. It's okay. You know? It's a bad haircut. And that's how... That's just... That's how I feel better. I don't know. Maybe the eating disorder analogy isn't that you should do it. But... What was I talking about? Yeah... So like addiction stuff, it's like, as I've covered, as I've mentioned in every single episode of the first 50 episodes, maybe there was like some drugs and alcohol of me trying not to feel my feelings. And then what I think is really interesting, what was one of the first things I realized when I got into the program, the 12 steps, like I sit down, I do the program, and then the first Thing, I was made to believe that the program is don't put substances in your body and then you're good. And like I thought that was the program. And that wasn't good enough for me. And the first thing that I did was phone games. And I think I've mentioned this before where like I, I started playing this phone game called Egg Inc., like I'm like recently sober, I quit drinking, I'm trying not to feel my feelings, and I find this phone game, and it's just a red button, you hold the red button, and chickens run out of a hatchery across the screen, and they run into a, ha a coop, and then there's a number on the screen for how many chickens you have, and if you hold down the button, the number goes up, and just the number going up was enough for my addiction, I just felt good with the number going up, I just felt that, and it crowded out my emotions. And it's like, that was the entire game. Just hold the red button. And I cannot describe, I cannot exaggerate how much a game that simple still managed to ruin my life. And like, I didn't sleep at night. I like played it all night. And then I have to go to work in the morning. And I worked in a restaurant as a server. And in a rest, in the restaurant, I would, I constructed this thing where I put an olive on the end of a fork and I rested it on my phone so that I could like walk away and take an order. And it would still keep going. 
the number would still go up. Because when the number wasn't going up, I was like feeling my feelings and it was like bad. So even at work, I'm like playing this game constantly. Ridiculous. It was absolutely like, I don't know. I don't know how to describe that better than that. That's, that's what happened. And it took like a month and like my neck was killing me. Like I, I couldn't sleep because my neck was hurting because I was always looking down at my phone and I didn't sleep and it didn't work. And after a month of that, I was like, it was so difficult to uninstall this game, but I uninstalled the game. Okay. So that was like the first uh, substitute for substance addiction. And then I quit that. And I remember I was working at a seafood barbecue place in Queen Anne. I don't know about saying the name of it, but whatever. Seafood barbecue place in Queen Anne. Um, it's like when Ivan was on the pod, he like didn't want to say that he used to work for like, yeah, he would always be like a large technology company based in Redmond, Washington, or, you know, a large other technology company. Anyway, now I understand how Ivan felt. Um, I'm working there. And the next thing that happened was I stopped playing the game. Someone brought in a habanero. Now, habaneros come in all types of power and color and whatever. And this habanero was really powerful. And this guy was like, he brought it into work and he was like, this is so fucking spicy. Does anyone want to try it? And so we cut these tiny strips of this habanero and we all eat it one piece each. And the thing that happened, like there was like heat crawling over my body and like my hairline started itching and like it took over my entire body. And I, and it was like this sense of panic welling up and down in you, just panic. And it was so spicy and, and I'm good with spicy food. And like, this was a group of people, like all kinds of people, you know, like there was a couple of Mexicans on the staff, all kinds of people that are generally good with spicy food and everyone was dying. And we go in the back of the restaurant and we're chugging milk and we're just suffering. And it took a 20 minutes or something for it to subside. And then the thing that happened is that everyone was like, whoa, well, okay, that was crazy. But the thing that happened with me was that two hours later, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, I didn't even, I did not in real time understand what was happening to me, but I had found something which wasn't drugs or alcohol, which wasn't a phone game, which crowded out my emotions. It just blanketed my whole mind and made me not feel my feelings. And it, I wanted to go back there. Like those 20 minutes of complete pain, I wanted to go back there. And... I'm really telling the long version of this. And it's like, maybe I've told this on the podcast before. I kind of felt like bef between season one and season two of the podcast, I should have like re-listened to all of it. But I chose not to because I wanted to not just be more of the same. Like I want to not stay too close to it. But the problem is that subject matter wise, I might accidentally repeat myself because I don't remember what I talked about in season one. But so... Two hours after we eat this habanero, I just want to eat more. And for some reason, I needed everyone to do it with me because otherwise I would feel weird. So I brought it, like I brought the idea to everyone. I was like, let's have some more of that habanero. And everyone was like, 
what are you talking about? That's what they, 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 they did not understand why I would even suggest such a thing. And I didn't even know why I would suggest such a thing. And then it gets a little bit dicey and I don't, I don't even feel comfortable saying it because it's like, maybe I wasn't a very good person, but like I kind of pressured them into having more of the habanero. And it's like, I was not like the boss, you know, like the, there's an owner of the restaurant and I'm not the owner of the restaurant and he's the boss, but I was like a little bit of the boss. Like I made, he made, he paid me a dollar more than everyone else to like keep track of things a little bit. And, you know, if we're being completely honest and stuff, even about the bad stuff, then yeah, I think I kind of um, abused, it was an abuse of power. <laughs> it's an abuse of power. Now, I am, an, I am like a famously powerless mid-30s man. And um, because I'm so powerless, I have rarely abused power, but that was one of the times. And I made everyone do it again. And we had more habanero, everyone. And it didn't do the same thing. It was weird because we had cut the habanero in half. And then we cut, two hours later, we cut new strips out of it. And I ate the thing. And it's like, because it had been cut, it was almost like when you cut it, it immediately starts to, when you break the skin, it immediately starts to deteriorate. So two hours later, the leftover half didn't have the same power because it had spent two two hours of like oxidizing or something. So it didn't have the same gumption. So yeah, I didn't get to go back there. But then later I realized that it was uh, it was like a thing like that. It was like an addiction thing where I ate the um, habanero and it made me, yeah. I don't know, it's like acupuncture, you know? Like even acupuncture is like the one alternative medicine thing that in clinical trials seems to work because it's just a distraction, I guess. It's like a new pain. And then your back pain, I don't know, your nervous system is, you don't think about your back pain anymore because an Asian person is poking you with needles. Um, and then a more recent one that I have not talked about on the podcast because it's it's a substitute for drugs and alcohol that I have realized after season one is like, God, this is so personal. Oh. Radical honesty. The podcast is about radical honesty. Um, a more recent one is like, I read this book on love addiction, and I think that that's something that I'm kind of struggling with. And there are just certain traits about how I do things that made me feel like, I don't know, the first clue is that there's a sort of sick desperation to it and that things aren't going well and that you're not thinking clearly about it. You know, I need to blow my nose. Oh, hold on. There's a roll of tape stuck on my big toe. Anyway, so I just realized that, well, one really sort of um, specific thing that was a big clue for me that this might be a thing that I'm kind of doing in an addictive way is this one thing where I 
was talking to the guy I'm living with. Hopefully he'll be on the podcast one day. I was talking to him as because I'm on like some dating apps maybe, and I'm like chatting chatting with some girls and stuff. And then so I'm chatting with this girl, and then I haven't met her, but we're chatting real there's a great intensity to it. There's many messages and they're kind of long and they're kind of coming in a rapid fire way. And there's this escalation to it. Escalation is a key concept here, I think, because it's like partly subconsciously I'm trying to escalate it. Look, I don't really know how to explain this and I'm kind of understanding it as I'm talking through it right now, but I've talked to to a friend or two about some of this, so I have a couple of puzzle pieces to it. So let's see where we get with this. But so, like, I remember standing in the middle of my living room talking to the dude I'm living with, and he's such a insightful, beautiful, per- like, he's such a good man. And he helps me so much with understanding myself because he he just understands people. There's such a wisdom to him. And he always gets where I'm coming from with stuff. God, I love this man. And I'm talking through it with him. And he's just like letting me go there and understand myself. And I'm I'm standing in my living room and I'm talking to him. And I'm chatting with her on my phone. And we have escalated it in the sense that I've been saying how like I just say these things. I don't know where they come from. But I'm like saying to her that it's like, this is like special and stuff. And like, I'm feeling such a special connection with this girl. And it's like, I don't, I'm not lying. That's not, it's not that I'm lying. It's just that it's coming from some weird place of a little bit of a weird, perverted, sick desperation. Like it's not coming from a place of calm. And so I'm saying, I'm saying things like that. And then she'll say the same thing back to me. And then that sense of validation when I'm getting messages that where she says that she cares about me, that validation creates like this full body high. And that's normal. That's like infatuation and that's like early relationship stuff. And I've been kind of reading a couple of books about this now. And like, that's necessary for two people to bond. Like you have to start with that. Like that's a thing that will magnetically pull you towards each other at first. That's like a first thing that happens. And that's normal. It's just that I have this thing of trying to milk that as quickly as possible as and as much as possible. And then When the chemical high fades, I like move on. So like I'm standing in my living room and I'm like trying to lean as hard as possible into this chemical high. And I'm like telling my buddy like Javier, that's his name. Let's just use his name. I'm telling Javi like, dude, I'm like feeling this in my entire body. Because everything is like supported by a meditation habit. Like since I started meditating every day, I just notice what's actually happening in my mind. And when I say that, I sound like, I sound like such an asshole. And I just want to acknowledge that I know that I sound like an asshole. And like, there's a lot of self-loathing, but it's like, this is my journey. Okay. And I'm just like a person that, that was born with a kind of anxious, depressed brain. And I just have to sit here and like, you know, do self-therapy and talk about this. And it's just like, 
you know, if you want to judge me for that, then then I suggest you you judge me for that in the comment section on the YouTube page, you know? Say that my face is ugly, say that all of this is ridiculous that I'm saying and that I should be embarrassed of myself. Say that in the comment section, preferably anonymously, and make fun of how this video on YouTube probably only has nine views, okay? Just make fun of all of that. Because it's like my buddy Ingrid, she was saying how she got a PhD and her PhD thing was that she basically wrote an entire book about Maoism in Sweden. And then this book is published and then someone wrote a review. Like she struggled with a lot of just like fear and tension and just difficulties. And then she, someone wrote a review and the review was like her worst nightmare. But when the review came out and she read the review, the power of all the bad things disappeared. And there was like this great calm that came over her, is what she told me. And that, because then it was over. She read the review that said her book was stupid and a great calm came over her because that's the worst thing that can happen. And it wasn't that bad. So that's why I would like someone to say something really mean to me in the comment section. I would like you to listen to what I'm saying and like understand what my biggest weakness is, preferably something that I don't even understand myself, and then attack that. You know, like the woman I was married to, that that's something she was really good at. Whew. Anyway, um, <laughs> so... <laughs> So I'm standing in my living room and I'm having this full body high and I'm talking through it because I'm noticing as it's happening because I have this meditation habit where at least I'm noticing what's happening and I'm noticing that there's like this almost drug-like, very powerful chemical state that comes over me when I'm texting with a girl who I haven't even met and like very rational parts of my brain know that this is not going to be the relationship. Like, this is not, I'm not marrying this woman. Like, I'm not having kids with this woman. This is some woman I haven't even met. But some addictive part of me is taking advantage of a very animalistic other part of the brain that just has this function. This, they, this part of the brain can produce really strong drug-like states if you want it to. And if you get someone to say that you're fucking special and that you have a special connection, if you can get someone to say that to you, you'll be rewarded with a full body chemical high. So I'm experiencing that and then it sort of fades and I'm texting with her a lot. And and there was even a period where, well, <laughs> there was a thing where it seemed to be going really good. We were saying really nice things to each other and we were really into each other. And then <laughs> she Googled me and she found that I have a podcast and she listened to an episode of the podcast and she said her feedback was, actually, I don't think we would get along <laughs> and I didn't like it. And she was like, oh God, my eyes are tearing up. <sighs> She didn't like it, and she no longer wanted to. <laughs> it's so funny. She no longer wanted to, like, go on a first date with me. Which I then took that as a challenge where I was like, 
so first of all, I was devastated that she listened to the podcast and found it to be found me to be insufferable and decided to not no longer want to talk to me. Ooh, that was good to talk through. <laughs> Ooh. Anyway, and then I worked my way back from that and I convinced her to go on a first date with me and we went on a first date and it was like really nice and we like really get along, like really get along. And then she would say out loud that she didn't want a serious relationship and I was okay with that. And then things changed a little bit and I cooked her dinner and, and the way she's explained it after the fact is like that's when it got too much and, and she liked me too much and... And then, mm, yeah. And then there's this addiction thing to it where, like, the chemical high fades and I move on. And and that sounds, like, that's shameful in many ways because it's shameful to say that out loud because it also sounds like I'm, like I'm bragging or something. Like, there's an as aspect to it like that where it's like, I think I'm so fucking cool because I'm, like, I broke this girl's heart a little bit. And I mean, there's definitely a part of it that's like that, where you're addicted to the validation and you're addicted to, you have self-esteem issues, so you're addicted to the boost in self-esteem with getting that. And like, I think I have some avoidance personality disorder traits where I like go towards things, but when things get too real, like I feel a sense of disgust. Like when I, the moment I notice that someone likes me more than I like them, them, I immediately feel like a sense of disgust. I don't know. It's like, I'm still working through this and I'll probably talk about it more at some other point, but like, you know, I don't think it's very good. And, um, there's this part to it where, is this even recording? It's possible. It's possible that this is recording, but um, there's a part to it that's like, so I don't suffer from sex addiction. I don't think the sex is a very big part of it. I think the sex exists in a pretty separate sphere where like, I, I have a pretty healthy relationship with sex, I think. I don't think I'm using sex to not feel my feelings, but sex addiction was discovered by someone who was in Alcoholics Anonymous. It was discovered by an AA member, discovered, I mean, you know, named, whatever you want to call it. But like, there was an AA member once upon a time, I don't even know which decade, maybe the 70s, where so he's in AA and then he's sober and then he realizes that he his relationship with sex has become similar to his relationship with alcohol, where there's a there's like this sick desperation to it and there's this addictive behavior and there's like very big negative consequences in his life, but he cannot stop even though it's like, because like if I can press the pause button a little bit, I do think it's hilarious how like sex addiction sounds ridiculous. Like it sounds made up. It's whenever anyone hears about it for the first time, everyone's reaction is like, this bro-y frat boy thing where you're like, oh, well, yeah, I'm addicted to sex too. But it's like, I do have to say that now thinking through love addiction with myself, because like sex addiction is almost like a subcategory of three types. There's like three types of love addiction or whatever. 
And it's interesting how it's like, I get it now. There's a thing where you're sort of ruining your life because you're trying to run away from something and you're doing things in this like kind of manic way. And um, what I was going to say that I, how I feel like my, whatever you want to call it, like, oh God, I hate these words and they're making me feel ashamed of myself. But it's like, there's an, there's the expression romance addiction or there's love addiction. And I don't really know what, what's going on with those things, but like, there's a thing with that and whatever it's going on with me that it's similar to alcohol because it's, there's this thing where, and this is super embarrassing to say, but I even think back on how I would get on the dating apps and I would talk to different girls and like a part of my mind would like plan it out knowing that there's a finite amount of chemical high that I can get out of being infatuated with a girl. So I would like plan it out like, okay, I'm going to, I have a first date on Friday. This girl, I'm really into this girl. I can like be super infatuated with her for three weeks. And then like this other girl I'm talking to, she's like coming back into town after that. So maybe I'll go on a date with her then. And it's like, it's not re like, that makes me sound like such an asshole. And I want to acknowledge that I know that, but I just have to be, I'm just, oh God, it's so embarrassing, but that's, I just have to talk through this and be honest about this so I can not be that person. And it's not really that I so much have acted out things like that. I'm just saying that there's a thought pattern that's like that. Let's have a sip of LaCroix. There's a thought pattern that's like that that's super analogous to filling your liquor cabinet. And the the feeling in the mind of an addict when you buy three bottles of hard liquor and you're like this, you, you make like a part of your mind vaguely conceptualizes it as like this bottle of rum will hold me over for this long. And then after that, I will have this other, this bottle of vodka. And you just like plan out the next foreseeable future and the anticipation of those things that you have to look forward to those acts of addictive behavior the anticipation of those things creates this incredible waft this wave of calming chemicals in your brain where you're like oh the foreseeable future is figured out. I got this figured out for now. You know, it's not a forever fix, but you're just like, you just, you're an alcoholic and you sit there and you look in your liquor cabinet and you just see three bottles of liquor. And in that moment, you don't even have to drink them. The anticipation, excuse me, a little bit of a LaCroix burp. I know it's flawed, like drinking carbonated beverages while recording your voice. I know, I know it's flawed, but it's what we're doing. Okay. It's what we have committed to. And it's not good and it doesn't make sense, but it's what we're doing. Yeah. And what I was just saying is like that sometimes with the girls talking to a couple of different girls, they would, there would be this sense of anticipation where I would feel like whatever happens for the foreseeable future, there's some girl that I can like lean into my sense of an, into infatuation and I can get just elated by getting validation from her and talking to her and anticipating her response 
it's so like young and it's so like teenage. Whatever, dude. I don't feel like talking about it anymore. It's shameful. And you know, what I'm realizing with it is like these things holding me back from ending up in a real relationship where I like settle down and have a family and have kids, which is like a thing that I believe is a recipe for me to just feel really integrated and to feel like I have a tribe and to just feel like better about things. Um, thing, a thing holding me back from that. I've always had this like idea that like, oh, but then I have to give up on being single and I like kind of enjoy being single. But like many of the things of why I in my head believe that I enjoy being single, I'm making air quotes if you're listening to this um, in headphones. I'm making air quotes. Um, God, I, even, I lost my trail of thought. I The things about me enjoying being single is actually just me acting out on addictive behavior. Like the thing of planning out how I'm going to get, enjoy a chemical high. Like that's not something I should, giving that up is just like giving up alcohol because that's short, that's a short term. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. We're doing orange today. So um, for the next one here, let's do this. This brand is called Kimino. Um, it doesn't say orange on it. It says Mikan, which is, I believe, Japanese for orange. It's probably like not a normal orange. It's probably like a fancy orange. This sparkling water contains the juice of a hand-picked Mikan from Wakayama Prefecture and the water from the Western Japanese mountains. Oh, my God. Made in Japan, made for you. Yeah. Okay. Insufferable. I did not like that. That's that's pretentious. Distributed by Kimini, Kimino Drinks. Yeah. So I bought this on the internet. Sparkling water. Sparkling water with a little bit of Japanese citrus juice. Hey, please note, the water is Japanese. The water is from the Western Japanese mountains. Let's not even name them. When you don't name them, it makes it seem like they're from a shitty Japanese mountain, okay? Ooh, that smells totally different. Oh, that smells almost like fish, fish-like. It smells like the ocean. It smells like fish food. It smells like flaky little um, fish food bits that you, like, you know when you have an aquarium and with some fish and you unscrew the top of a jar of fish food and it's like always so smelly and it smells like seaweed and salt and fish and this is a little bit like that it smells like mackerel specifically you know as any all my swedish homies out there will know that a classic swedish breakfast food is to toast a slice of bread butter it open a can of mackerel in tomato sauce put it on there best thing in the whole universe like when i go to sweden my uncle in san francisco is like get me as many cans of mackerel that you can fit into a suitcase uh this smells a little bit like that okay let's try it i've had this i there was a brand it was like the Udsu brand or something sunmo what was the name of that sparkling water hold on Oh, what a nightmare. Now I'm going to have to edit that out, me walking off camera for a bit. And I didn't even find it because I don't have any more of those. 
No, Sanzo is what they were called. The brand was called Sanzo. They were Asian-inspired sparkling waters. One of them was like lychee. One of them was yuzu, something like that. And one of them, they some of them, like the mango or whatever was a weird mango. It was like Alfonso mango or champagne mango or one of the smaller ones. And for reals, when you smelled it, it smelled like fish. And it wasn't good. It smelled like shrimp. This is reminding me of that. Where it's like, there's a citrus fruit mixed with the sparkling water, and I'm getting fish. So it's like, this is very expensive and fancy, obviously. Um, but I'm getting fish. So there you go. Um, let's try it. Bro, why is it so salty? Potassium, 52 milligrams. Calcium. Is there sodium? There's no sodium. Hmm. But the potassium is coming through as kind of salty. Is it good? It's interesting. It's unfortunately not as good as the LaCroix. It's different. It's fancy. It's trying to do its own thing. I don't know. It's salty. There's some sort of, I mean, it tastes like you had orange juice and you let a fish swim around in the orange juice for a bit, you know. Like I'm expecting to pour this into a glass and then just like have a little guy wiggling out of there. I'm expecting a little fish face to look out. Oh my God. There's like Japanese etched into the top of the can and no English. So it's really like trying to... Are they selling this to Japanese people? I'm sure. This really feels like something that's only being sold to Americans or like non-Japanese people and piggybacking off of the power of the Japanese brand. People think Japanese shit is cool, so here we go. But, okay, I didn't think this was so great. It's like a 5 out of 10. All good. Um... Well, what I was going to say about all the addiction stuff is like, so there's all these addictions that are like bad for your brain or whatever. And then in the end, you kind of realize that you can't not be addicted to anything. So you have to just pick benign things. And a lot of people in the program will pick video games and just make sure to have a healthy relationship with it. where you, Because it's like, it is a nice, it's not ruining your body. It's not like doing cocaine. It's just video games. And you sit down in front of a big screen and you put on some headphones and you, it's super immersive. And then you stop after three hours and you've had a break from reality. And it's like super strong of an experience. And you don't do it the way I did phone games. And you, because the thing about the phone games too, it's like, that was obviously not like enjoyable. Like, it was just a number ticking up on a screen. So, what I was going to say about me is, like, so I picked chess. Because I really like chess. And I play chess on my phone. Chess.com. You do the app. I've mentioned this before on the podcast many times. There's always someone to play with. Um, let me see if this is even recording. It seems to be recording. The, the video also seems to be recording. 
Uh, this is an experiment, man. This is, I've never even tried this out. Um, I play on chess.com when I feel like stressed out or I need a break. I just like take my phone out and I just play a game of chess and it's, I play a 10 minute game, meaning that each player has 10 minutes. So it cannot take more than 20 minutes. So there's like a nice limit to it. And after 20 minutes, whatever I was feeling has probably passed. And after 20 minutes, I just stop playing and I play like five games a day. I've played like a thousand games. It's been like two years or whatever. And I really enjoy it. But I really think it would be fun to play chess in real life. To turn it into a thing where I have friends. Bro, I haven't even left the house for three weeks. My roommate has COVID. Had COVID. He just came out of it. Oh, I haven't been anywhere. I haven't been out of the house. Life is hard. But we're good, you know? We're good. We got ourselves a podcast. Um, so I'm like, if I can find someone to play chess with, that's a great way to just meet other people. Because, like, I love my friends, but I love having different groups. And so I go on chess.com. There's groups. There's a Nevada City Chess Club on there. They don't, the group only has three members. I message all three of them individually. None of them respond. Just dead accounts. I search on Facebook. All the chess clubs anywhere close to here, like Auburn, Weed, Cool, all the different towns around here. No one, no one responds. There are no chess clubs. There's like chess clubs in Sacramento, but like not even really because they're all down because of COVID. And also Sacramento is a little bit far. Like I'm looking to have friends closer than an hour away. So I'm struggling to find someone to play chess with, right? And then I'm at the Humane Society Restore and I see on the cork board by the end exit, I see a small piece of orange printed out printer paper that just says chess club, Friday, 2 p.m. And there's a phone number. That's it. And it's like, and the piece of paper didn't look like, it didn't look old. Like it wasn't like weird and wrinkly and sun bleached. It looked like it was new enough that this was, this might work. So I take a picture of it. I come home Friday morning. I call and this little voice picks up and I'm like, I go into it feeling like this might just be one person. This might just be some guy. And it's like that instinct was correct. And he's like, yeah, we, we do chess. I asked him if they're still doing chess club. And he's like, yeah, we'd still do chess club, you know, Saturday, 2 p.m. And I'm like, oh, the piece of paper said Friday, 2 p.m. Like today. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, we can do it today. And that's like, oh, so it's just you, huh? <laughs> like... And that's nice. I don't mind. I don't mind. So uh, I'm like, no, let's do Saturday. So Saturday, 2 p.m., I just like roll up on this address. There was an address on the piece of paper. I'm not going to give you the address, but it's a cute address. And it's right in the middle of town. Beautiful house. Big property. Old trees on the property. And at the edge of the property where you walk in, there's a tin man. And he told me that on the phone. He's like, it's the house with the tin man in front of it. 
press the button. So I walk up to this Tin Man and I press this button. And it's like this weird mechanical sputtering noise. And it's not working or whatever. I don't even understand. And I'm, I walk up to the house and I knock and I press the buttons and I ring the doorbell and I go back and I press the Tin Man again and no one opens. And, and so I, um, well, I mean, if we're looking at this through the lens of my traits of avoidance personality disorder, if I'm being honest, it's like those things are some of the most difficult things for me. Like, because for some reason, my mind is always looking for a reason to be able to tell myself that I tried and that I'm now free to avoid this. And I really wanted to run away. And I'm standing there, I'm looking at my what's going on inside of my own mind and i'm like wow i'm really like i'm really wrestling with this and i'm really like the avoidant part of me really feels weak feels like i'm weak enough that i could convince myself not to do this and and like because the avoidant thing it's weird now i'm just i just try to be nice to myself you know talking to my friend sam about all of this recently and it's like talk for a while and in the end it's like we both just come up with this thing that the solution to life is just be nice to yourself like just be kind to yourself and that's what i tried to do with the avoidance stuff because like sometimes i have a to-do list for the day i um have three places i gotta go like three errands and I, like roll up in the parking lot of the first place and and i sit in the parking lot and i just realized that like I'm too like stressed out and avoidant today and I can't go in there. So I just drive to the second parking lot and I feel the same thing and to the third one. And then in the end, I just, what really happened is I drove to three parking lots and I didn't go into any of the businesses and I didn't do any of my errands because I couldn't because I'm too avoidant some days. And then I'm just kind to myself and I'm just like, look, I must not be feeling that good and I couldn't do it and it's fine, you know? Like you just have to... Live life on life's terms and accept who you are and it's fine, you know? Like, I do plenty of things. Like, you know, maybe I can do those things on the internet. Whatever. The point is just, like, I try to be kind to myself and and I try to still push myself and yada, yada. It's a balance. Whatever. So I'm standing outside of the house that I've been sent to by the guy on the phone of the chess club, whatever. And I want to leave because he's not opening the door and I feel like I'm stupid or they're going to open, like I'm doing something wrong and I'm being ridiculous and I'm being like, what am I even doing? Like, how did it even end up in America? Like, why am I even in America? And like, what city am I in? And like, what are these trees? And whose house is this? Like, where am I? Like, what am I doing here? That's how I'm feeling. Like, what is going on? And then I let that pass and I'm like, let's just call the number, you know? Like, cause rationally, I know what a high functioning person does. Like an, a fearless, happy go lucky, high functioning human being in that situation will call the phone number and be like, Hey, I'm outside. So that's what I do. And I'm like, I call and I'm super awkward and I'm like, is chess club happening? Is this wooden chair really creaking and it's really being picked up by the mic? Probably. But this is the wooden chair that we're doing. I brought this chair from China. This is the chair that we're doing. So I call the guy and he picks up and I'm like, I'm outside. Like, is there a chess club? And he's like, 
oh yeah, did you knock? And I'm like, yeah, bro. I knocked and I rang the doorbell and I pressed a button on your Tin Man and I knocked again and I pressed a button on the Tin Man again and I rang the doorbell again and I knocked again. And he's like, oh, I must not have heard you. I'm deaf. So this little man opens the door and we go in and it's beautiful, dude. It's so nice. Like, he's just a nice man. He's a retired pilot. It's awesome. We play three games of chess. I obliterate him at chess. He's obsessed with chess. He's kind of old. He's kind of deaf. All good. He's just like my new friend. And then the next day I texted him and I was like, thank you for the hospitality. Because he like offered me something to drink. He was like, you want anything? Whatever. Just like have a seat. Make yourself at home. We watched some boxing. We played three games of chess. It was awesome. And, you know, he's a fascinating character. Like, he's a Trump supporter. And I know that because he had a big Trump sign in his truck outside. But he's also like, he also had COVID and was sick with COVID for like six months. And he was like, I was sure I was going to die. He was in the hospital many times. He was sure he was going to die. So it's like, yeah, he's a Trump supporter, but I don't know if, I mean, it's funny, man. Reality is politicized and these people are Trump supporters and they're anti-vaxxers and they think COVID is a scam until they almost die from COVID. And it's like, you know, we're kind of winning the fucking argument with the anti-vaxxers, a one unvaccinated hospitalized person at a time. And there's not, they're not winning no conversations. I mean, yeah, maybe masks don't work, but yeah, it's complicated. Um, he believes in COVID is what I'm saying. Cause it almost killed him. And it's also one of these things where like on the phone, there is a global pandemic and I'm going to someone's house. So on the phone, I am supposed to be like, what are we doing? Are we doing masks? Are you vaccinated? Like what's going on? But I like to take it easy and just like, let them bring it up or like maybe go to their house and see what's up. And, um, it's fine. He just had COVID. So, and I'm vaccinated. So we're chilling. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I have a new friend. He's just an old man. And and then he, I texted him and thanked him for the hospitality. And then the next day he responded to my text. And I was like, anytime, bro. And then he texted me the day after that. And it's like, you want to come over for some chess today? And that was today. And then I told him I had to work, even though I'm kind of unemployed. <laughs> But because I, I wanted to be here with you guys, you know, I wanted to record this podcast instead. So I have a friend and I'm really happy about that. Get out of the house a little bit. And now it's like, I don't know. Do I bring a casserole over to his house? Like, how does one return hospitality? I don't know. I struggle with that stuff. Um, let's do the third water. So the third one, Orangina, Shake the Pulp. Shake the Pulp seems like that's the tagline for Orangina, but this is sparkling, so I don't think you should shake it. This whole thing seems a little bit half-baked, and I don't know very much about Orangina. I think it's not that big of a thing. It says, 
since 1936. So I think Orangina is something that used to be famous. I think if you ask an American, they're probably like, oh yeah, my grandmother used to drink Orangina back at the fucking soda shop when she was dating my grand grandpappy. Um, first time I, or slash only time I ever heard of Orangina is actually in a, there's a stand-up comedian called Sebastian Maniscalco. I don't, I haven't seen any of his specials or anything, but there's one clip on the, on the YouTubes that I saw one time that I thought was funny. That's about Orangina. And he talks about how whenever women invite him over to their house on a, after a date, at the end of a date, they never have anything. And they're always like offering you some like forgotten liquor that there's a little bit left. And then they break some pieces of ice and it put some ice in a glass with the liquor. And the ice is like, has like pieces of vegetables in it. Cause there's like the ice has been sitting in the freezer forever with a bag of mixed vegetables. And it's true, you know, like ice kind of goes, it goes a little bit funky if you just let it sit there. And it's just a funny thing. Cause like women don't really try that much. Something about that resonated with me. And then the other half of it, he's like, when when he invites women over to his house, he has everything, you know, and and he he's like, What do you want? <laughs> you want a beer? You want some champagne? You want some orangina? <laughs> and the punchline is orangina, and I don't know, it's funny. It's just like I'm I'm being hesitant to say that I like Sebastian Maniscalco because I don't know very much about him and I think he's kind of a douchebag. So I'm not saying I'm a huge fan of him. I'm just saying that's the only thing I know about Orangina. It's the only time I've ever heard anyone talk about Orangina. And he's like, I got Orangina. And then they're always, apparently the women always respond, you got Orangina? No one's got Orangina. And now they have a sparkling thing. No smell. Oh, that's bad. Ooh. That is artificial. Artificial. Three syllables. Artificial. <laughs> it's not three syllables, but um, I recently got to try something that's famous in America called Sunny D. It's like a childhood drink. It's like a... Well, I had heard of it, and I thought it was orange juice. I thought it was just a brand of orange juice, but that's not really it. It's more like a mix of fake stuff and sugar and, like, citrusy flavorings, and it's more like candy or something. And it's super artificial, and this tastes a lot like that. But you know what? I'm getting a little bit into it, and it's not that bad, actually. It's a little bit like Fanta. And you know what? what's going on there? You know what I'll say about that? That That's not sparkling water anymore. Um, on this podcast, our definition of sparkling water is that it needs to be watery. It needs to be watery. God, I'm so stupid. Like, why am I so stupid about everything? I'm such an idiot. So this is not watery, but as I'm looking at this, I'm also realizing that it doesn't say sparkling water. It says sparkling citrus beverage. So they're they're actually being honest. Oh, it does. At the bottom here, it says lightly shake to mix. Well, now I've opened it already. Excuse me. I burped again, you know, unavoidable. Um, Yeah, I don't know. 
It's got a bunch of ingredients. Grapefruit juice from concentrate, orange peel extract. It tastes a little bit like Fanta, but a little bit worse. And if it tastes like Fanta, that means it's disqualified. But regardless, it's all right. And that's like Fanta, but a little bit bitter. 130 calories. Like, ooh, that is not sparkling water. Um, Should have looked closer at the can. But, um, wow, I did not use my 20-minute hourglass. You know, one thing I haven't thought of is like, how am I going to do a sparkling water, sparkling mind outro when I'm doing video? I don't know. We'll see what I figure out. Um, I think we're going to call it an episode. Thank you for listening, everyone. I don't know. What do you want me to do? Like, this is my face. Like, you want me to have a different face? These are things I am not in control over. I cannot have a different face than this. And that's okay. Everything is already good enough. That's what we learn in meditation class. Everything is already good enough. This is life. Our actions will echo in eternity and then people will forget about us. And I am experiencing such freedom because no one is even watching. That's I'm not really enjoying how no one is watching, but I'll come I'll I'll figure it out, you know. All right, that's episode 51 of the podcast. Yeah. I just feel like I have to thank my Patreon supporters because the crazy thing is that even though the podcast ended like six months ago, at least, no, more than six months ago, there are people on Patreon that still support the podcast and they still pay me a dollar every month or something or whatever it is, a couple of bucks, and they still support the podcast. And it's like, what am I supposed to do with that? The incredible beauty of that. That is so fucking nice. I don't know, man. Makes me want to cry. People are so good and I'm so... Ungrateful. I couldn't think of the word for a second there. I'm ungrateful. And I should... Yeah. Things are already good enough. Now my posture. though, My posture is not good enough. But the mic is a little bit low. I'm going to blame that. Yeah, this mic stand needs some work, but okay. Thank you for listening, everyone. That's the episode.